0: We need to go and read some text messages. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, some long ones. Here we go. Here we go. Um, people who have to live, who have to use dialysis machines, it makes you appreciate the health that we have. Mm. Let us never forget that. Let us all remember the sick in our prayers and thank God for his mercy. Amen. And, you know, this is, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Those of us that have good health are so privileged. That's right. We are just so privileged and we can praise God for that. Mm. Um, Ohio, this means that doctors throughout America have not been able to use their conscience due to discrimination by law. Well, that's kind of been in more recent times, but yes, that is the case. And that's why you've got a class action of, you know, more than 3,000 medical professionals right across the United States suing the US government since, since, you know, Biden changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. is I see big changes coming to America in the near future with a change of government. And this is going to be interesting to watch. You know, I, I, I tend to agree with this person. I think that there's going to be a backlash at the next election. Trump 2024? Which could be worse. <laughs> oh, so... Which could be much worse than <clears throat> what we've seen before. Really, and
1: 2020 was pretty bad. 2016 was bad, and then
0: 2020 was bad. And it, it, but the thing is, what we're <laughs> seeing is that every time it changes, it goes one level down. Mm. And uh, so basically, you know, your right comes into power, and they bring in union of church and state. Your left comes in the, into power, and they do away with re- religious liberty. Your right comes into power, they bring in union of church and state to another level, and your left comes into power and does away with religious liberty to another level. Mm. And each time it's just they're all working towards exactly uh, the same uh, conclusion here uh, as is mentioned in this text message, and it's just a process. And in
1: Australia, whoever comes into power props up property developers.
0: You're never going to own land laws and don't worry <laughs> about it. Just, 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 just don't even worry about it. Um, I see big changes to the change of government. While the world will be elated with the change, it will bring us closer to Sunday laws. Interesting.
1: Yeah, ultimately, like things getting worse is a sign of the end. So, amen.
0: Children and boundaries. History tells us what happens when children are not given boundaries. Examples: the Emperor Nero, a mother who oh, wow. was who had the same problem was so wicked that untold millions suffered. That's a fact, right there. And, and that's that's. I mean, that's going back a long way and digging up an, an example from the very distant past. But basically, that's Nero's problem, right there. He mm. was na- raised as a narcissist without boundaries, and there you have a monster. Mm. A monster who happened to. Get a lot of power. Yeah. As in like an entire world empire. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Where are we up to? Same problem. So wicked that untold million suffered. Many of the children of the leaders of the world have the same problem, including the sons of David and Solomon. Yes. Mm. It's generational to third and fourth generation. Yes. Although at any point a generation can choose to change that. Mm. God help parents with this problem. I'm so glad I was raised with strict boundaries of true love. Humanity. Had this problem since the fall of Cain and Abel. Satan's plan was to destroy the family. Has been in operation since then. God will help parents who ask for wisdom. My heart goes out to parents with this Mm. problem. Yeah, very, very good text messages.
1: I was really blessed to be raised with sisters, like only sisters, because that meant I always had strict boundaries because yes. I got in trouble for everything. That's right. Every family dispute that ever happened, any fight, everything. lost in trouble. You, that's
0: because you were always the problem Lawson. Th- yeah. That's-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I felt anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, that's so we all know. We all know that's this already. So we, know, we
0: know why you were in trouble. Man, I'm just getting grilled today. Oh, I Roasted. love it. Oh. The roast loss in the morning. <laughs> okay, uh, next text message here comes through from Brett. It says, Jesus is surely coming soon in regards to abortion. This is also another sign every time babies were destroyed in, in the Bible a deliverer would come like Moses or Jesus. That's interesting. interesting. I'd have to actually sit down and do a, uh, a bit of a Bible study on that.
1: Yeah. But you even say, mm. oh, that's an interesting one as well. You could even like throw in, you know, maybe the like Amalekites as a society, like systemic mm. child sacrifice, mm. Um, you know, get destroyed. Saul goes in, destroys them.
0: Yeah. Wow. Babies being thrown in the Nile, Moses comes along. Babies being executed in Bethlehem, Jesus comes along. Interesting observation. And ultimately, in the end,
1: like Jesus himself says, it's like better for people to have a millstone tied around their neck if they had children. Like, in the end, God comes along. Like, the the ultimate
0: judge. Absolutely, he does. Mm. All right, let's go to our Bible study. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 now. So we've dealt with the Tower of Babel. This is the next story that comes along. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read the first three verses. Man, this is the most so.
1: epic Deuteronomy study I've ever done. We haven't even read a single verse. I know, verse. I know. I got all
0: excited. I'm like, we're going to do Deuteronomy. We've got nowhere near Deuteronomy. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, whenever you do a Bible study of a book of the Bible, sure, you can always start in Genesis.
1: <laughs> it's so true. Like how many 20 you million could You movements? could pick
0: any book of the Bible for 20 million movement Bible study. And it's like, well, we need to build a foundation. Uh, we'll do the first week in Genesis.
1: Literally, Revelation, you
0: start in Genesis. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We're going to study Revelation where you need to understand Genesis. Yeah, dude, so true. Yeah, you need to understand it. Book of Isaiah,
1: book of Daniel. Dude, it's like, oh, we're going to study through the book of Jude. Well, looks like I need to start in Genesis. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like the whole book's like 25
0: verses. Oh, looks like I need to start in Genesis. Anyways, interesting Obadiah. stuff. Obadiah starts in Genesis. Third John. Yeah. yeah. It starts in Genesis. <laughs> All right. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Let's go there.
1: The Bible says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, You will and, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the
0: families on the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so God comes to Abraham and promises him fame and wealth. Yes. So is this how God's work is. This how God works. Not with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Not with Lawson.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm faith FM famous <laughs> poor, poor and famous. Poor Bible worker. faith and
0: famous and um, yeah, ministry wage rich. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, okay, so when we read this particular passage here, you know, you could. If you stopped and didn't read all the way through, you could say, well, God's desire for human beings is for wealth and fame. Mm. Is that God's desire for wealth, for for human beings?
1: I don't think so. No. That's
0: prosperity gospel. (laughs) Yeah. Prosperity gospel will tell you that. Now, God promises this to Abraham, no question about that. And the reason that God promises this to Abraham is because God wants to turn Abraham into a great nation. Mm. And the reason that he wants to turn him into a great nation is because, in effect, what God is doing is planting a church. Yeah, and He's planting a church through Abraham's descendants. This is His plan. Yeah, there's a very
1: specific, like God's specific
0: will here. You know,
1: we have like God's general will, which is things like the Ten Commandments and and uh, mandates that Paul gives to churches and whatnot. But whereas this is like, hey, Abraham, like I want to do something very specific in your life, and that's prop you up as the the founder of an ethnicity and a religion. That's right. Mm.
0: And so God adds promises to this, which actually reveal what it's all about. It's not all about fame and wealth. Mm. It's all about the coming of the Messiah. Yeah, well. And where do we see that in the passage? Where does it actually indicate the coming of the Messiah?
1: I would say in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed
0: through you. There's a big promise right there that all families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And the question is okay, uh, we look back on that passage, you know, 4,000 years later on, Mm. and we ask ourselves the question did that actually happen? Mm. Because certainly Jesus came through Abraham, and that was a blessing. But was the coming of Jesus a blessing to all nations? Many nations never, ever heard about Jesus, never even have the opportunity of hearing about Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. So if all of these nations never heard about Jesus and never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus, and I'm thinking about nations in places like Australia or South America or you know, the South Pacific, wherever it might be, then how was Abraham and his descendants a blessing to them? Mm. I mean, these are nations that have come and gone and passed away and vanished having never heard about Abraham or his descendants or Jesus Christ. So how was Abraham a blessing to them?
1: Well, I think the the reality is is like God wants to save the whole world. Yes. And you know there are people who have different experiences of salvation it's all the same experience like in terms of the, and this is the point is that though there will be people who won't hear about jesus god opens up the doorway to salvation for everyone yes. and he does that through this specifically through the life death and resurrection of jesus
0: yes okay so let's say that you know uh, god had never chosen a path for jesus to come mm so he chooses a path which is through Abraham and his descendants, but let's say that God never chose a path for Jesus to come and so therefore Jesus is never going to come, what happens to all those nations? Well, then they're just lost. They're just lost. Everybody's lost. Yeah. So both those who hear about Abraham, his descendants, and then ultimately Jesus Christ are not lost, as also those who do not hear. About him have the opportunity for salvation, so all have the opportunity for salvation yeah like Jesus wasn't
1: necessarily the founder of a religion that needs to spread throughout the whole world for people to be saved. no Jesus was the mechanism in which people could be saved in a very literal sense yes like like without jesus's death there's there's no substitute for that like that's that's it. Whether you, you know, are someone who's heard of Jesus or not, the reality is, is that through Jesus' death, everyone is
0: saved. Absolutely. Mm. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to, well, let's go to Romans chapter two. Okay, Romans chapter two, and let's look about, let's talk about these nations that were blessed through Jesus, having never heard of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They were blessed through Abraham, having never heard of Abraham. Who were blessed through Moses, having never never heard of Moses. Who were blessed by the law of God, having never heard the law of God. Mm. All right, the Bible describes them right here in Genesis chapter two, uh, beginning in verse twelve. Uh, in Genesis chapter two and verse twelve, the Bible says, "When the Gentiles sin,
1: they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's law written. And the Jews, who do have God's law written, will be judged by that law when they do." when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the Lord that makes us right in, in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own, own conscience and thoughts, Mm. either accuse them or tell them
0: that they are doing right. Thank you. Thank you. We can stop there. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've got a great passage right here. And if we start at the top and we work our way down through, what Paul is talking about is people who've never heard the law of God. Mm. They've never heard of Jesus Christ. They've never heard of Moses. They've never heard of Abraham. They have never heard of, you know, Adam and Eve or anyone like that. Mm. And the Bible says, you know, when they sin, they're lost. Yeah. and then it says and when uh, you know, uh, Hebrew people who have heard about Jesus have heard about the law have heard about Moses when they sin they're just as lost mm. God's not God's not playing favorites here wow you' sin you're lost wages you of sin is death regardless of whether you have the whole law written down or not okay so if you don't have it written down uh, as the Jewish people did on stone mm. then where do these Gentile people have the law written down. Those who are being blessed by the law, having never heard the law. Yeah, it says
1: that it's written on their hearts, uh, or in in their minds, essentially. Yes. But this is a really interesting passage. I'm just thinking now, like, because Paul wrote this to Gentiles. He wrote this like to the the single most Gentile place on earth, you could say. He wrote it to the Romans.
0: Yes, in Rome, the wealthy, secular, irreligious. Romans, And I could
1: definitely imagine in that context them having questions about, you know, who was saved and who was lost, because in a lot of Romans, he's deciphering that point. He's like, what's the difference between Jews and Gentiles? And why should you become a Christian? And why should Jews become Christians? Like, why should we follow Christ? Ultimately from both perspectives. And I think in Hebrews, it's really from the, from the Hebrew perspective of what, why should a Hebrew follow Christ? And here in Romans, he's speaking to Gentiles, he's speaking to Gentiles with that same comparison, you know, why should a Gentile follow the Jewish Messiah? Yes. And right here, he's like, oh, because you all sin and you're all God. Like you're all going to be destroyed
0: if you sin. Nobody's left out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Wow Absolutely. like we're all gonna face judgment and and obviously the standard of judgment um is different based on it seems as though like well the 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 thing that causes judgment is sin, um but it seems as though like the, the you know the circumstances of that judgment change a little bit um between Jews and Gentiles because one hears the law, one hasn't heard the law if they sin, they're gonna be destroyed, but obviously God takes into account you know. Their method of coming, you know coming to a place where they um, are are aware of the law.
0: Yes. so we've got Raphael texting through here, God has given a conscience to everyone. We all know when we sin or do wrong, even though we might may not know the Ten Commandments. Okay so God has given a conscience to everyone. Mm-hmm. We all know when we sin or do wrong. Now you think about Paul writing to Gentiles here and these are you know Roman people who have new, newly given their lives to Jesus Christ and they would stop and think okay what about my parents what about my grandparents who never heard about Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and never heard about you know Abraham or Moses or or the law of God or any of this kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. never heard about Jesus they never heard about grace. Mm-hmm. What happens to them? Are they lost? Because of geography. Mm. And, you know, as God has, has God, has God condemned them because of geography. Mm. In other words, well, you happen to be born in Rome rather than in Israel, so bad luck you didn't get to hear about the gospel.
1: Yeah, uh oh. Oh, well.
0: Yeah, is, is that what's going on here? And Paul's like, no, that's not what's going on. Mm. There is salvation available for everyone because the Holy Spirit speaks to every single person and for the Gentile Roman here this is something they could relate to they can go yep uh-huh yep before I became a Christian I had a conscience mm. and my conscience used to tell me what was right and what was wrong yeah now I've become a Christian I still have a conscience. Mm. And it still tells me what's right and what's wrong.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing, like particularly for the civilized Roman, right? Like Rome has a bunch of laws. <laughs> like Rome is is a very, at this time, probably one of the greatest um, civilizations, Is but like particularly from like a societal standard point of view that has ever existed, like very, very advanced socially. Mm-hmm. And so totally, like they would have laws like, you know, telling them to do things like, Hey, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a conscience. I've had things in the past, indicators and guides, like the laws of the land that have showed me what's right and showed me what's wrong. I've had examples of right doing. I've had examples of wrongdoing and I, I can make those decisions. And also I know when I break them, but even if you go to the most primitive setting, like I think in pretty much every culture on earth, like, like marriage is a thing. Yes. And monogamy is yep. promoted? Uh
0: well, not every culture. Not every yeah. single culture. Monogamy, but marriage is a thing, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like marriage is a thing and so there's like there's a standard there, right? Of of this this idea of like marriage is is a is a moral decision that you make to be bound to someone. And so, but also, I'm pretty sure pretty much everywhere in the world has some kind of standard against killing people or lying or stealing. Funny thing, that, isn't it? And it's like, oh, you know, it even... It, you, we were talking about the Aztecs a couple of weeks ago or last week or whenever it was. Like, you're looking at a place that sacrificed, like, a fifth of their population every year.
0: Yeah, there was a pretty hazy spot, like... Very, very, very much so. You do away with the Lord Yeah, you know, this is where this is where Christianity is uh, is not the only way of salvation, but it's by far the best. Yeah,
1: but it's like I'm sure that even within that society, just as Elijah points out, like, oh there's no one left and God's like, Yes, there is. Even in a in a population of people who don't seem like they're following God, God makes the point that they're people that are. Yes. Even in those societies, like there are people who the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart. And their conscience is being
0: pricked, and they make the right decisions. And uh, Owen's just texting through to be reminded of that Bible passage in Romans. It's Romans chapter 2, verse 12 to 15, with the verses yeah, wow. that we read. Mm. So it's a great little passage that explains how God provides salvation for everyone. He doesn't discriminate based on geography and uh, where a person happened to be born. You're listening to The Breakfast
1: Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: We've had a kookaburra who's um, been sitting on our stump outside for the last couple of mornings and he's just absolutely amazing. He's just loving life. He is. He's a spectacular, spectacular kookaburra. Mm. Anyway, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. We need to get back (laughs) to our study. We are next going to the book of Acts because that's all about Deuteronomy, right? Uh, Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, actually, kind of is. Yeah. Acts chapter 7, let's start reading in oh, verse 20.
1: Yes, let's go. Oh, I know exactly what we're going to read. <laughs> okay, uh, Acts chapter 7 and verse 20.
0: Yes, that's the one.
1: Uh, The Bible says, At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful both in speech and in action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting he tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the, man, uh, but the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? He asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning... Ab- of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans, and I have come down to rescue them. Now, go on, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with our ancestors and the assembly of God's people in the wilderness when the angel spoke to him on Mount Sinai. And there Moses received
0: life-giving
1: words to pass on
0: to us. Fantastic stuff. All right, so we've got a whole passage right here from the book of Acts. And, of course, this is the sermon that Stephen preaches just before he dies. Yeah, wow. Uh, Unfortunately, halfway through this uh, sermon right here, he starts to talk about the fact that, you know, God is a little bit bigger than the temple that they have in Jerusalem and God doesn't actually live in it. Wow. God doesn't need a roof over his head to keep himself dry. And that gets pretty offensive and they take him out and stone him to oh, death. Oh,
1: dude, especially at that time because there's like no Ark of the Covenant in the temple, bro. Yeah, that oh, would yes. be so
0: offensive. Fancy. No, that would be angry. They they definitely got very angry about that whole situation. Okay, so we've got this great passage here, and basically what Stephen is doing is he's giving them a uh, a history rundown. This is, this is information that would have been very, very familiar to them, mm. but he is building a case. Mm. He's building a case for how big God is and how powerful God is and how God can't be contained in a temple and how that Moses... As he slides in here, it's interesting how he kind of slides this into the um, sermon that he is preaching in front of the Sanhedrin, yeah, the Jewish court at this particular time. He slides in this bit one, this bit about, uh, you know, because there's a lot of things he could talk about with Moses. There's five books he could quote from, yeah. And out of those five books, he quotes from this one portion right here. Uh, this Moses, whom they refused, saying, "Who made you ruler over you?" Uh, where is it? Where, 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 that's not the one right there. Uh, 35. 35. Yeah, verse 35. Yeah, that's... Where's the... Uh, no, it's not the one I'm looking for.
1: <laughs> or 27.
0: Okay, there, let me try verse 37. This is that Moses which said, unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, mm. him shall you hear. So out of all of the prophecies and all of the statements and all of the parts of the Torah, the first five books, that Moses could quote from, he chooses to quote from this one mm. because this is the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Yeah, wow. Well. And with Jesus Christ, and this is the interesting thing for the listeners right there, because you've got to look for someone who is like Moses. Well, when Israel sinned, what did Moses do? Moses said, blot my name out and save them. Mm. Blot me out from salvation and save them. Take away my life and save them. I will sacrifice myself. I will stand between myself and God as an intercessor mm. so that these people can be saved. And when he stands in front of the Sanhedrin, he quotes this particular passage, a prophet like Moses, Mm. and they're instantly going to think of Moses. Moses was an intercessor. Moses was somebody who was prepared to die. Moses who was was prepared, someone who was prepared to lose their salvation to save the people. What has just happened? A few years previous to this, a prophet has arisen. Nobody can deny that. His name was Jesus, and he died, and everybody is proclaiming that he died to save the people. They can't help but see the parallel when he slides this one in.
1: Yeah, oh, he's basically using their greatest biblical hero against them.
0: Yeah, kind Top, of totally. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. like it's amazing. But yeah, obviously, um, and, and this is the point where they start to squirm. Yeah, in their seats. Mm. It's a little bit further on, uh, in like in verse 40, 48, where it says, you know, howbeit the most high does not live in temples made with hands, as said the prophets. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? has he not made all these things mm. and that particular point he recognized okay that's it i'm done yeah these people are going to kill me well, and so oh. it's like it's 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 like it, it, it's is now is now at this particular point it's it's no longer time to hold back i have three or four sentences left max in my life let me make them count
1: you know what his last one is as well? Lord, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Yeah, wow. Like, it, he's basically, he's built this object lesson with how great Moses is and how one will come better than him. And it's Jesus. And he's like, oh, and Jesus is God as well.
0: And by the way, I can see him. Yeah, by the right, way, man, I, can I can see him standing in heaven. heaven. Yes. He's not <laughs> sitting down interceding. He's standing up. Intercession has... Ended for the people who are stoning Stephen to death. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM.
1: Positively different. But it is now time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is, Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31 says, Tara took his family out of Ur... But then in Genesis 12 and verse 1 and Hebrews 11 and verse 8, it says God told Abraham to go. What really happened? That question comes in from Karen as well.
0: Fantastic stuff. So in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31, the Bible says, And Terah, that's Abraham's father, took Abraham his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So basically what you've got in Genesis chapter 11 is the story of Terah. Mm. If you want to have the story of Abraham, the Bible backtracks to the point where they're coming or about to leave from the city of Ur. And it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house, into a land I will show you, I will make of you a great nation, etc. So who was it that led them out? Now it specifically goes to uh, then Hebrews chapter eleven and verse eight, where it says, By faith by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing where he went. So if you were to just have the Genesis account, you would say, well, Terah did it and Abraham followed. Mm-hmm. But Hebrews is very, very explicit that it was Abraham's call and not Terah's call. Mm-hmm. And Abraham who was, the, was the one who was following his calling, not Terah. And so, do you then have a contradiction between, say, for instance, probably the clearest contradiction or the most obvious uh, apparent contradiction would be between Genesis chapter eleven and verse thirty-one, where it says, you know, Terah got his family together and they left and they went to Haran. uh, Or do you have a contradiction, or or, or is there no, and and Hebrews chapter eleven and verse eight, is there is there a contradiction here or not? The answer is very simple: no. People try and make contradictions all the time where there are no, where there is not necessarily a contradiction. And so let me just maybe put it into a simple illustration that we could understand more easily in today's society. So in uh, Western society, we don't generally have multiple generations living in the same home. Uh, If you are like Shell and myself, we're kind of thankful that we have a son and daughter-in-law who lives close, but we have another son and daughter-in-law who lives in Queensland, which is a long way away, and that's kind of the norm. I mean, our in-laws... Uh, live in the United States and Tasmania. We, we, we spread around the world. That's how we are. But there are other cultures where all generations live in the same home. Mm. Sometimes that can be five generations living in the same home. So let's say, and this is definitely part of Middle Eastern culture, uh, particularly at this particular period right now that we're dealing with. And so let's say that you've got multiple generations living in one home because what you need to notice is in verse 31, it talks about all the different generations. It talks about Abraham. It talks about Terah. It talks about uh, Terah's brother. It talks about Abraham. It talks about Abraham's nephew. It talks about his wife. It talks about all these different generations. You've got at least three different generations that are there that are living together. And so let's say that you've got multiple generations in one home and let's say that the son of the oldest one receives a call to go to a foreign country. And so he goes to his dad and he goes, Dad, we're living here in Iraq, let's go and move to Lebanon or let's go and move to Palestine via Lebanon. And his dad says, okay, for sure, let's go. Let's take it one step further and let's say that you have this guy called Abraham who goes to his dad and says, they're living in Iraq, and says, Dad, let's go to uh, Palestine uh, via Lebanon because God has called me. And his dad says, yep, yeah, sure. And so his dad, what does his dad do? Well, it's his dad's responsibility to get everybody together and to move out. Is Abraham obeying the voice of God? Yes. Would Abraham have gone without terror? Yes. Is Terah the head of the family? Yes, Terah is head of the family. And as a result, the Bible recognizes this and recognizes the role that he plays in pulling the family together to move out to the land of uh, of, uh, Haran, which is in uh, modern-day Lebanon, Syria. And then, of course, they move down to Palestine from there with Abraham. So there's no contradiction here whatsoever at all. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.